Hi, welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today joining me is Tim Miller. He's a teacher turned flight instructor. Uh, Tim is the quintessential success story as far as an encore career in aviation, and he really wants to share his experiences with you today. But before we begin, just a couple few announcements here. Uh, First of all, the scholarships guide. I really appreciate everybody that's donating to help us pay it forward. If you want to get a free scholarships guide, go out to aviationcareerspodcast.com, click on scholarships. We have over 120 million updated every month, and for only $10, you get it for a year. Or you can use a coupon code, pay it forward. That's coupon code, pay it forward. You can get it for free. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Let us know what you think about these type of videos. Uh, I'm really interested in knowing if you like this type of format. And uh, if you're listening to us on uh, Facebook or on YouTube or on uh, Podcast Catcher, please go to the YouTube channel and check out uh, what we're doing there. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, without further ado, joining us again today is Tim Miller, who is a flight instructor turned, or excuse me, she's a actually a teacher turned flight instructor hey welcome to the show tim hi carl thank you for having me you know tim uh this has been awesome because one of the things that you uh did is you really inspired me by your letter that you wrote in uh about uh changing careers and i think it resonates very well for so many people out there uh so uh so let's talk a little bit about your your passion for aviation but but let's let people understand um you're uh, doing this as a second career yeah, that's right. I mean, some people might even call it a third career because I started as an engineer, but only did that for a few short years and then uh, taught for 30 years. And now I am uh, have one year of flight instructing under my belt. So, Congratulations. I forgot to say that before in our email. So congratulations on the CFI a year ago. I never got to congratulate you on that one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So as far as the the whole passion for aviation, obviously you did something else and you enjoyed that. You enjoyed being an engineer, a teacher, uh, which is something, by the way, I th- what a great, great thing to get into is teaching. I mean, teaching people how to fly or whatever, you really truly are moving people forward in life and, and you're helping society. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your passion for aviation. How'd that start? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, I, I grew up on the northwest side of Chicago, so uh, planes landing at O'Hare was a, a regular thing out my in my backyard, um, and I I remember being on um, summer vacation with my family and my dad wanting to make sure that we were stopped and uh, in a hotel room so that we could watch the moon landing. I have a very clear I was a pretty little kid at the time, but I have a very clear memory of that. So, you know, and just going to museums and things like that. I just loved things with airplanes and outer space. Um, but I had no connection to general aviation. I, I didn't know anybody who was a pilot. I didn't know anybody who had, a, let alone a small plane. That just seemed like only, you know, you know millionaires and billionaires had those kinds of things. I, I just had no connection to that. And um, I, the only connection I did have was uh, my sister had a, a friend who was a, um, a military pilot. And uh, I don't remember which branch. And so this was in the in the 70s. And I, I talked to him a little bit about it and tell him that I was interested. And he said, you know, if, if you want to become a pilot for the airlines, which that's what he wanted to do. He was like, you know, military is especially at that time was kind of the way that it went for many, many folks. Um, and then he also said, plus, you have to have perfect vision at, at that time. And so I was out that for me, that was like, well, uh, I, OK, I guess 
thinking about being a pilot. I just assumed that was for all kinds of pilots. I just, I didn't know. Um, so as years, you know, went on and started to uh, go to college, being an aeronautical engineer was kind of a, a natural thing for me to to want to do. So that that's what I did. That's what I studied. Um, and to this day, I still regret not having at least taken some flying lessons in college. But, uh, you know, whether it was finances or time or anything like that, I just, I, I, I didn't do any of that. So, but you, your interest in aviation spurred this interest in engineering, aeronautical engineering. That is no small feat. Um, what kind of work did you do when you, you started in that? Right. So um, after, you know, I, uh, I went down to the University of Illinois um, and got my degree in aeronautical engineering, moved out to Silicon Valley. I worked for Lockheed in, uh, in, in Sunnyvale at, at their, their plant there. And so I was a, a controls engineer for um, communication satellites out there. So I did that for kind of a short time, um, uh, almost four years, uh, you know, kind of a short, short period of time, though, in the big scheme of things. Wow, that that seems fascinating. And it, it, it was fascinating. And, and I loved it. I mean, the, the people that I worked with were brilliant and uh, the work was challenging and amazing. But I was finding that the parts of that job that I enjoyed the most was when I got to present my designs to people, whether it was just our small group or whether it was to our clients. Um, and so I, I was a fairly young kid and I was a kid, I was in my 20s, but uh, you know, <laughs> fairly young and, and giving presentations to colonels of the Air Force. And, um, and I, was, I, I was good at doing that. And, and, and my uh, supervisors were telling me that. And I had thought about being a teacher while I was in high school. It had been something that had crossed my mind. And I finally just said, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying this job, but I can't see continuing to do this for an entire career. So it was a, it was a big decision. Uh, I moved back to Chicago and, uh, and, and uh, got my uh, master's degree and, and then went on and, and have been, uh, spent the last 30 years teaching in, uh, in high school, high school math. Well, that's fat. Now, did you that do that master's in mathematics? Or? Yes, yes. Interesting. So, so one of the things in engineering, uh, math is a huge part of life. But in general, in people in aviation, math is so key, and mm -hmm. I think it's so important, especially the basics. You have to mm -hmm. have to definitely master those basics. So, so you went to teaching math. That ended up being a, a full career for you. It it really did, and and I loved it. I mean, it was uh, it really was you know kind of a calling for me. I, I just I enjoyed um, working with uh, young people. Um, I coached. I uh, I um, you know did, did extracurricular things, but I and I taught all different levels of math with people who were very interested in the subject and people who were not very interested in the subject. And I really enjoyed the challenge of making helping people see that math was interesting, useful, fun, all, all those things. And, um, and all the time kind of percolating was this um, wish that I could at some point in my life get a pilot's license. Um, I uh, would, would drive by little airports and see these little planes taking off and think, wow, you know what, when, when I retire one day, I'll, uh, maybe I'll have enough money and enough time to to learn to be a, a pilot at that point. Um, still not really 
doing too much research on how it might happen because just my life was too busy and too filled, or so I thought it was at that point to really, really venture off into that. So Until why now? <laughs> yeah. So that's the next question. Why? Why now? Yeah, so, so you know, and I I started just kind of talking about it, like as I would go by the 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 small little airport, I just kind of would mention, oh, I think I'd like to do that someday. Well, for a birthday present, somebody gave me a um a uh, you know discovery flight, and I didn't even know any of those kinds of things existed. Once again, I just did so. I, I w went to the discovery flight and first it was like two hours of ground school and then a two hour flight. And so these people were really trying, trying to get folks to, you know, be, you know, be interested in becoming a private pilot. And, uh, boy, as soon as I was in that classroom, uh, and, you know, hearing some of the same things I had studied and done, you know, lots of years ago uh, in my undergraduate degree, I was like, oh boy, this is, I really like this. And then getting into that plane um, for the first time, little Cessna 150, um, I will admit that when the door first closed and my instructor was kind of a big guy and, and I'm not too small and and I put on the, and I was like, uh-oh, I felt a little claustrophobic and I'm like, uh-oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. But as soon as we started going and took off, I was like, boy, this is this is what I I want to do this. So when we landed, um, you know, I started asking more questions about how much things were going to cost and how much time. And um, and, and so I, I just started taking lessons at, at that point. That discovery flight is very important, isn't it? I, I think so. And it's, um, it, you know, I've heard. Um, good stories and bad stories from some people from Discovery Flights. Um, for for some flight schools, I think it's just kind of an, a revenue generator. Um, and then other schools, I think they're really looking to sell their product a little bit with you know with with that Discovery Flight. And and I was one of those people that you know they they got they hooked me. And so I and and once I found out that um, you know it. It's not no money, but it, I could afford to do that. It was about me make, carving out the time uh, to be able to make sure I could could stay committed to the training. You know, and on that one more point on that discovery flight, if you're an instructor, you know, make sure you spend a lot of time. My discovery flights are two hours. We may just be in the air for 30 minutes, but this is an opportunity to introduce somebody who's brand new to aviation, and I think those are incredibly important. Uh, it, I, I, I'll tell a little story about uh, a client of mine who's who's now one of my instrument students, um, and he had a discovery flight maybe uh, 10 years ago, and it was not good at all for him, you know, for various reasons, and I don't remember all the reasons, but it, it wasn't a good experience for him, so he didn't go back. Um, and uh, I met up with him, you know, casually. And so we started talking and I hadn't quite gotten my flight instructor's license yet. Um, and uh, he's but he was wanting to hear about me flying. And he said, you know, I have always wanted to fly. And so he told me about his discovery flight. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm only a few months away from getting my CFI. You know, I'd be happy to uh, teach you to fly. And um, sure enough. He uh, he started flying with me. Um, he's bought his own plane since then. Um, he's working on his instrument rating. Um, and as a matter of fact, he wants to fly with me down to. He's originally from Argentina, 
so he wants to fly in uh, in some small plane, the, either the one he has now or he has got some sights on a slightly slightly bigger and faster one, I think, now, um, uh, flying down to Argentina. So that might might be an adventure. Uh, we're, we're kind of trying to see how the whole coronavirus thing shakes out a little bit before we do anything that adventurous. So. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible adventure. I, I would definitely take him up on that one. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to getting into the airplane, you started lessons and all. Now, did you do this while you were working? Yes. Well, that that was that was a, um, a struggle. I and it and it took me um, took me over a year for sure. I, I would have to look at my logbook to see when I did that first discovery flight to when I actually got my um, private pilot's license. Um, yeah, it was about a year and a half and, uh, because my, my biggest free time was over the summertime, um, and then weekends and then maybe, uh, you know, uh, flying at five o'clock in the afternoon or something like that after I got off of school, but really trying to make that a priority was at first kind of difficult for me. And so a lot of times I would only fly once a week and maybe only for an hour. And so I really wasn't making very good progress until I made it a priority of that, you know, that I want to, not only do I want to do this, but I want to move further past a, a private pilot's license. So, so making that a priority sure changed you and, and changed, uh, you know, how you looked at aviation. So you did your private and then what happened when you're still employed, when you started going through your ratings? Yes. Um, so I, I, I just um, finished my career as a, as a teacher back in May of 2020. Oh. So um, I was doing my private pilot studying in 2014 and 2015. And um, I was maybe halfway through when one of my uh, flight instructors, he was an, an old Navy pilot, uh, uh, a good guy, good instructor. I really liked working with him. And he, um, he said, uh, you know, you, your teacher, you should think about becoming a flight instructor. And I don't remember exactly where I was in my training at this point, but I remember thinking, I'm having a hard time landing this plane. How am I going to teach anybody anything about flying? And so I thanked him. It was because he said, you know, the hardest part is you'll, you'll get the flying part. He said, the hardest part is going to be, is the teaching part. And he said, and you've already been doing that. You've already demonstrated that you're successful at that. You know, and that kind of stuck with me. I I didn't take it too seriously, but I was like, it just kind of was running around in my head as as we were um, moving along. And um, it wasn't until after I finished with my private pilot's license in early 2015, I think it was January is when I got it, um, that I started saying, you know what? I think I think this is a good idea, and I started started planning out. I had been teaching for 25 years at that point, and we had some uh, early retirement incentives in our contract, and so I started thinking about, okay, if I retire from teaching in 2020, what what do I need to do, and how do I how should I plan it out? Like, how should I use my summers, using my summers as a as a focal point of my of my training, what should I, you know, do next, and so on. And so, at at first, uh, I just I kind of flew on my own and with friends, and you know, small little, small little uh, missions here or there for a year. And then um, 
I, I joined up with the flying club that I'm currently with, who has instructors there as well. And uh, I started working on my instrument training um, once I joined the flying club there. And this is moving closer to your goal of making this your next career. Now we're starting to get into the thoughts of that because this person put that seed right, in your exactly. mind. Exactly. Yep. When did you actually finally say, yeah, I am going to do this? I mean, was it overnight? One day you woke up and said, this is it. No, it wasn't overnight. And it was, it was a combination of um, seeing 2020 as a, a, an opportunity to um, – retired teaching a little earlier than probably w what I normally would have done and having a this encore career as you call it this career 2.0 still very much related to being a teacher um, right there and so the way I've described it to people is uh, I love teaching I love flying and being a flight instructor was this great opportunity to just blend those two worlds of mine uh, that that I just would uh, that, that I just enjoy doing so much. Somebody listening right now or watching this is saying, well, you're a teacher, you know, I could never do that. And I know I hear that a lot. Uh, you have so many years experience, obviously. From your perspective as a teacher um, and looking at the process of becoming a flight instructor, you know, what challenges would there be for somebody who's not a teacher? This is their mm -hmm. first time teaching. Yeah, that's a that's a, a great question because um, for me, you know, I had worked on my craft of teaching over you know literally over thirty years. I I was always somebody who tried to every year improve on things, get better, be reflective, um, and 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 I think honestly that's the secret right there. So. You know, the FAA has it set up to to learn about the about the the concepts of teaching, and I've read through those um, those manuscripts that the, the the flight instructor's manual. They're actually really good materials. I was really impressed with the the information that they have on there and how kind of dialed in they are to um, all the things that good teachers think about in terms of how people learn and, uh, setbacks and, and, uh, and plateaus in learning and, and, and how to, um, meet somebody where they're at and move them along. Um, but it is, it's impossible to be, uh, a great instructor as soon as you start, <clears throat> you might be good. You, you might be kind of natural at it. But to me, um, and, and I just found this as a, you know, as a career as a math teacher, it is something that you are continually honing and um, improving upon. And so if you are willing to be somebody who is reflective, who acknowledges your mistakes, who doesn't feel like you need to always know everything, um, but instead you know, say like, hmm, you know, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought about that. Let's either find that out together or I'm going to look into it and, I, and we're going to talk about that next time we meet. Um, so a little, uh, I guess the, the word would be humility, uh, knowing that it's like you, you don't have to know everything. You don't need to be perfect. Um, you're going to make mistakes just like we all do. Um, but if you are willing to be reflective, um, then that right there is, uh, w w when I had student teachers, that is one of the biggest things I would try to instill in my student teachers and, um, and, and look for.
in, in trying to decide whether or not we should hire somebody in our department or not. It's very humbling, but it's also very rewarding because of that challenge, uh, because your students challenge you. Mm, absolutely. And that, that's what I loved working with um, uh, as, as whether I'm a flight instructor or, or a high school math teacher. Um, the challenge, whether it's the content or the individual, is uh, was really rewarding to me to be able to help that person out. Maybe it's because the person didn't like math and I got them to like it a little bit better. Or maybe they're struggling with uh, their landings and we finally got it. You know, we finally figured out that one little key that just it clicked for them. It's a very rewarding experience. You know, before we talk about some of those challenges there, you mentioned something about a club, flying club. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of people that have this question about uh, whether they should go and continue their ratings or start their ratings within a club. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that, put a little more color as to uh, what your experience was and uh, would you suggest to people to join a club to get their ratings? Yeah, so the, the, the club that I belong to, Leading Edge Flying Club, is based out of uh, Chicago Executive uh, uh, Kilo Papa Whiskey Kilo um, uh, in the Chicagoland area, about eight miles north of O'Hare, uh, underneath the Bravo. Um, and uh, I learned about the club from my uh, designated pilot examiner on my private pilot check ride. Um, after he congratulated me, he said, "You know, there's a there's a club here at the field that," uh, and and he said, "There's a lot of great people." So why don't you come and, you know, j just join us for one of our Saturday breakfasts one time. So I did. And uh, what I really like about this club, and I can only speak about this club, is a great culture of socialization for sure, um, but a great culture of learning and safety. And uh, we have people in the club who are um, very, very experienced airline captains. We have people who are brand new private pilots. We have some people who don't even have a, a pilot's license, but they just enjoy being around airplanes and getting some free rides uh, here or there, a $100 hamburger or whatever, uh, or a breakfast um, every once in a while. Um, but just a great place to talk aviation, to uh, learn from each other, a, a chance to experience a bunch of different kinds of airplanes because a lot of our members do have their own planes. You know, Tim, a question I get often about people considering a club is, am I going to get the same level uh, that I would expect from like a bigger school, the level of education as far as aviation is concerned? Right. Well, so, uh, you know, I, uh, our, our uh, flying club is, um, has uh, three planes associated with the club. And um, uh, we have about maybe five or six instructors in the club. And so you have to be a club member to, to fly in one of those planes and to use uh, one, of, one of our instructors there. Um, it, is, uh, it, it works for me um, because I was able to match up my schedule and needs with the availability of the plane, the av availability of the instructors. And, you know, we just have some, I, I mean, again, humble comes the, is the word that I want to use because um, the instructors that we have there are uh, very experienced. Um, I've learned so much from them. As a matter of fact, it's one of the instructors there that I got my instrument training from, uh, a different instructor that I got my commercial training from. 
my uh, CFI and my CFII all all with uh, flight instructors from that club. So I I am a little biased when it comes to uh, promoting that <laughs> the instructors there. You know, Tim, I've been a member of many clubs throughout the country, and I find there's people of all walks of life, like you said, and I'm always learning from these different clubs because there's usually some really, really experienced people there that fly. Uh, not necessarily airline pilots. There's just some mm-hmm. very experienced general aviation pilots. You know, and then this, um, in, in these kind of strange times that we've been in over these last nine or 10 months, uh, we used to have monthly breakfast meetings where we you know, would have breakfast and just some, you know, uh, social talk, but then always uh, a topic of conversation. So we've we've now continued to do that, but just virtually as well. Um, and it's great because we have uh, we have people who uh, have lots of experience. I'm just thinking of one of the IFR conversations that we had when it came to icing, or somebody uh, walking us through. Um, uh, skew T charts, things like that. Just, you know, you know, uh, really continuing to learn because there is so much to learn. Um, as you said, you're always kind of always learning. Absolutely. So Tim, let's talk a little bit about this career 2.0 or this encore career. As far as people that are thinking about it, what would you say are the, some of the biggest challenges? Um, I, for me, uh, the biggest challenge was, was, uh, finding the time and making sure I carved out the time, having a, uh, you know, already a full-time career. Um, and then also, uh, trying to have enough time to not only fly, but then to study, to, to read about flying, to listen to podcasts like yours, to, uh, whatever means I was interested in and kind of having gathering the information, to me, that was the biggest struggle. But um, when I made it a priority, and, and you know, I said this in my letter, and, and it really is like, just do something every day. It doesn't, it, you don't need to spend eight hours doing it. If all you have is an hour, then spend an hour and read something or spend, spend some time and watch some, you know, there's so many YouTube videos or listen to some podcasts, uh, or read the FAA manuals or a POH. What just those little things each and every day, um, you know, you, you, you get there, you eventually get there, but it does take some, some determination to, uh, carve out that time for me at least. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it really, if just doing a little bit every day really does does make a big difference. Um, how about, you know, a lot of people thinking about the, the new Encore career in aviation as an instructor, or maybe not instructing, maybe flying, et cetera. What have you found are some of the rewards of this of this Encore career? What are the, what are the big rewards that you've found? Well, the, the um, big rewards are that almost every day I get to uh, go up in an airplane. <laughs> uh, it really is that, I mean, that sounds simple, but I, I just, I love that. There, you know, somebody asked me what, um, one time, like, well, what is it about flying that you really like? And I said, you know, I love looking at all the dials and knobs inside the, the airplane. I love looking outside the airplane. I love the feeling of going through the clouds and then popping out up on top. Um, I love the feeling of having a great landing or not having a great landing and saying, you know what, let's go one, around to the pattern one more time. Let's make this one better. Um, all of those things are just so rewarding. And, and I will admit, it's kind of nice to um, gain that experience and not have to pay the rental fee uh, from, on the flight, exa- <laughs> from the flight <laughs> instructor side. 
You get paid to learn and you get paid yeah, to be in the air. And, and um, when I was a brand new teacher, I was so excited about being a teacher that, uh, and I'd been, you know, studying and then what did, uh, did student teaching. And then the, the su- first summer I taught summer school and, uh, two weeks in, I got paid. Well, I had been so excited about teaching and I hadn't been paid for a while because I was a student, uh, being a student again, that I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I got paid to do this. This is outstanding. And so it's kind of the way I still feel about um, getting to be a flight instructor. It's like, wow, I just got to go up and do all that fun stuff, and I got paid to do it as well. That was, that was a great feeling. Yeah, it's amazing just listening to you. It does make you so happy that, you know, you're not paying uh, out, but you're actually making money. Mm-hmm. And, and you can actually make a living eventually. Uh, how, mm-hmm. how long have you been doing this now? So um, only a year. A year. And really, even that, uh, because I was still teaching through May of 2020. So I got my, um, my, I got my CFI in uh, November of 2019. So those first few months, I had some clients, but boy, I was really squeezing it in on the weekends or, you know, in as daylight kind of continued to stretch a little bit later in the evening. Um, but uh, and, and then, of course, you know, the, the pandemic and things like that. So it, it's made it a little bit difficult right now. Um, I, but I did finish up over this last summer, finished up my uh, CFII. Uh, and and got my um, instrument rating for flight instructing uh, in September. So I've been started working with some instrument students there too. Awesome and congratulations on the double I and thank you. Um, really, it's a challenge. It's also a lot of fun. The clients, uh, it's interesting. They're a little more focused. Uh, mm-hmm. They know what they want. They want to get the instrument rating. Uh, mm-hmm. And not saying that private pilots aren't like that, but uh, it is a different clientele, isn't it? Well, when you when you move, and I have a commercial uh, uh, client as well, and so it's interesting when you are in the plane with somebody who's pretty experienced pilot, and maybe they're now working on their commercial rating or even instrument rating, and then you uh, the next hour you're working with a, a student who they don't know how to pre-flight. It's like okay, let's you know, <laughs> but I've I've had that experience as as a, a high school math teacher as well, where you're teaching a lot of high level stuff in one period and then you know then the next period comes and you know we're we, we've moved down in terms of content so a lot of fun changing careers that's for sure and yeah. uh changing gears too <laughs> you know there's um one of the things that i think people need to understand is that uh you you're doing this a little bit later in life although you look fairly young i just uh i'm, I'm the one with gray hair here but <laughs> yeah but i've, it, I've, it, I've it, managed to be lucky <laughs> that way yeah it can, uh, not that I'm jealous, but I am, <laughs> <laughs> but, but people are, need to know this can happen. Um, and I think part of it, it, uh, from my viewpoint is your health and your energy. Uh, so maybe you could speak a little bit towards that. Cause as you get older, the, you don't have the energy you had at 18, let's say. Right. Yeah, very much so. You know, it, it definitely, it took planning. I mean, um, and and I had five years to plan uh, financially. I had to plan. I had to make sure that uh, you're you're right. I mean, my health was um, a factor. I am healthy, but I wanted to. Um, for me, using my brain was very important. I, I I want I wanted to have an encore career that really 
made me continue to think and challenge me. I've always loved learning new things. Like it, when my sons were young and they were learning to play the piano, I said, I want to learn to play the piano. So I started taking lessons along with them, not only so that I could learn to play the piano, but so that I could show them that it's like, look, this is going to be hard work, but it pays off and I'm willing to do it with you as well. So, um, but there, there are a lot of those different kinds of things that you do need to do need to consider. Um, and I think staying active and being active is uh, a big part of staying healthy. Yeah, I, I agree. And we can get healthier as we get older, too. It just take, It's a little tougher, but you can still mm-hmm. continue to do that. I think that's so important, especially in aviation, is to, to try to, to keep your health in line with what you're doing in life and, mm-hmm. and try to keep it increasing your, your health. You can do that as you get older. Right. Um, you know, what's next? What's next for you? Yeah, I you know I've got a I've got a lot of items on my on my bucket list. I mean, primarily, honestly, I just want to continue to become a uh, a better flight instructor. I want to continue to gain experience from that. I mean, I I have a lot of experience as a teacher, not not as much as experience as a flight instructor, um, and, and so that's my primary focus. But I do have small little bucket list items and maybe they're not that small so uh, you know i want to i want to fly to alaska at some point i want to do some mountain flying i want to get some mountain flying training um see see pilot <clears throat> rating um tail wheel i don't have that i want to get that um i'll put you know multi-engine so there's the way i'm looking at it is okay one or two new ratings every year uh, along with my teaching and uh, just to, again, to continue to push myself and challenge myself and uh, and explore what's out there in the, in the world of aviation. You know, it's really a, a good pilot never stops learning and, and you obviously are, are one of those that won't stop. And I think we all need to learn from you and, and learn from all those around us that do that, that continually read. I mean, I read all the time. I mean, I do interview preps, but gosh, I learn something almost every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and I've been doing this for many years. That's what's so cool is that you learn so much and it's a challenge. Right. And I, 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 can, I hear that in what you're saying. That's, mm-hmm. that's terrific. You know, any... Uh, parting thoughts or advice for those that are possibly thinking of this 2.0 or encore career? Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer is you can do it. Um, it might take some planning and every everyone's situation is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, it, uh, one person's challenges, uh, you know, my challenges was finding the time. Other people well, maybe it's not time as much as it is finances, or maybe it's not finances as it is health or um, where you live or something like that. But um, it, if you really want to do it, you can figure out a way to make that happen. Um, and, you know, I'm an example of that. There's lots of people who are examples of that. I, I hear on your podcasts, you know, people calling in or writing in saying, I'm 40, I'm interested in becoming a you know, a, a, a commercial pilot, is it possible? Or flying for the airlines, is that possible? And, and you're always like, yes, it is possible. You have maybe different challenges at age of 40 than you would if you're 25, but um, but don't give up on those dreams. Wow, well said. I, mean, I, I really appreciate your coming here. From that letter you wrote me, I was so inspired. Uh, and I appreciate your sharing your life and your story uh, with those that are listening right now. And by the way, we're going to put a link. I think it's uh, leadingedgeflyingclub.com. Go check it out if you're in the Chicago or South Chicago area, I should say. 
go seek out Tim. Maybe I'll take you flying, or maybe you can go <laughs> that, out for a lesson. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Tim. I really appreciate your coming here. And uh, if you have questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com, we will send them along to him. Uh, thanks again. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Carl. You know, after after listening to Tim, one of the things that's really important is in his story is the fact that he continued moving forward and he didn't give up. And he learned along the way and he keeps getting better. And that's what's so cool about these encore careers. I know I'm reinventing myself. So in the 40s, my 50s, and my 60s, uh, things will be reinvented. But the most important thing, like when I'm looking at a new career, a new life, is to never give up, never stop, and to actually do something every single day to help yourself move forward in whatever it is. It could be in your teaching life. Maybe you want to learn something better. Maybe you want to open up a book. I have a book next to me right now. I'm trying to learn uh, how I can teach a specific topic about takeoffs and, and V1 cuts better. But you're always doing something. And that's what I want to challenge you to do, is never give up. But if you see something that's a real, a real challenge in life, is to keep moving forward. Make sure you take one step every day. That's all it takes is one small step. Sometimes they're large leaps. Do something now to move forward in your career, in your life. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. I really appreciate you watching here on YouTube and also listening around the podcast. And if you have questions, feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast to and again, take that one step today to move forward in your career. <laughs>